we had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,154 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? It's good to see you. Have you been bothered by the uh, the events at the southern border? We ended yesterday talking about the uh, the border crisis. Uh, have you seen any that far north yet? Yeah, we we do see some of it. I'm healthy and alive. Uh, we do see some of that here, um, mostly in the, the larger cities. Um, I'm further north in Oklahoma, so uh, we're not seeing it directly affect us yet. Um but with the numbers that are are slated to be uh, crossing the border after Title 42 ends, uh, that may change pretty rapidly. In fact, uh, the place I used to live in Colorado it was considered a uh, kind of a highway for a lot of the drugs that were trafficked across the border. That was one of the intersection points and one of the uh, way stations, if you will, uh, for some of the drug trafficking stuff. Um, People in the know that were in that world, that's what they were saying. Anyway, um, also, I believe, isn't it tomorrow, technically, today for the listener, uh, that all the COVID-19 stuff is supposed to end officially? I, I I thought so. Yeah. And I and I also believe that this Title 42, like, what, why are we even having this conversation? I think it's just a, it, it's a moot talking point, to be fair, because this has nothing to do with Title 42. These people have been coming in before that and they're they're not stopping after it or, or whatever. So why are we even discussing Title 42? It doesn't make any sense for any of them to even be mentioning it because it doesn't mean that they're going to stop. As a matter of fact, CNN today is saying that, you know what, um, we got a lot more coming. Listen to this. This morning, more than 150,000 migrants are waiting in north, northern Mexican states to cross into the United States. Officials estimate hundreds of thousands more from Central America are on the way. As Title 42 expires Thursday, Texas is now putting up new wire barriers to close off some illegal crossing sites. Currently, 25,000 migrants are in immigration custody, and each day, 8,000 more try to enter the United States. 25,000 are in custody? I don't think so. I think it's a lot higher than that. I think, well, just look at whatever our capacity is, and you can say that that is what they're at. 25,000? I don't think so. I think they're grossly undercutting that. 8,000 a day are coming across? Have you seen the footage? 8,000 an hour, maybe. Not 8,000 a day. Actually, uh, I will say that it could actually legitimately be 25,000 in custody, meaning they're in some facility that is government owned. OK, yeah. whereas we have hundreds capacity, of thousands yeah. on the streets that are have just been uh, released, uh, expecting to, to return to a hearing uh, or what have you. Where well, they promise. They promise they're going to return. Yeah. They promise. Yeah, they, they promise. This, this that I'm running here, Bruce. This is this is El Paso, Texas. It looks like, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm not trying to sound, I'm not trying to be condescending here because these are poor countries, but this looks like Guadalajara. This, this yeah, is unacceptable. This does not look like a. This this is this unacceptable. Does not look like an American city. No, no, not at all. This looks like some place out of like the the back country of I, I don't know Somalia or somewhere down in in Central and South America. We we cannot accommodate this. 
I don't know what you want to call this. You you call you call this migration. I call this an invasion. Our system cannot handle this. And you've got hundreds of thousands of more on the way. And where's the call? This is what I want to know from all the state governors, all the state governors, right? The, the hell with the feds, the state governors. Where's the public press conferences calling out the federal government for not sorting the situation out with the NGOs, the charities, and the governments in these other countries that are facilitating these individuals coming up. Where, where's that call? I, I'm not seeing any of that from any of these governors. Where is that? Some of these instances, these people are well off in their own country or well-trained, you know, doctors, uh, bankers, what have you. They're, they're coming up here at a hope for a better life. They're not even, they're not even coming in because whatever kind of problems they're having in their country for, you know, political reasons or what have you, it's strictly, they think they can have a better life here. And instead what they, what they get is homelessness, pretty bad conditions. I mean, I, I don't think living this is under, appalling. this is appalling. Yeah. I don't think living under a tarp, uh, on the street is, uh, an improvement from the situation they were in, but, uh, what do I know? No, this, this just, is, uh, the white supremacist according to the media. Yeah, yeah. This this is unacceptable is is what this is. And we don't have any hopes whatsoever of uh, of sorting this problem out. So, where's the uh again, where's the call to to actually put words to action here in any of this? There isn't. The city of El Paso can't put up with this. Nor any of our border cities, our border states cannot handle this surge. And you're talking about more and there's no action None. I'll tell you what's going on here. They couldn't get you, as in you, the citizen, the person that's been demoralized and disparaged. They can't get you to form a proletariat revolution against the government and demand a change in the Marxist dialectic struggle. They can't get you to do that. They can't get the trade unions to turn on their bosses. They can't get the hospitals and the teachers and everybody else that they have within the unions. Not every not every hospital has a union, but they can't get these trade unions to turn on the system. They don't have enough. They can't get the average disgruntled non-union person out there. They can't get them to turn against their own system. They tried with COVID. Oh, they tried. They've tried everything else. Now they're doing everything they can to push the Christian congregation into a fight. They're trying to do that with the uh, the transgender madness. They're trying to do that. They're trying to do it with preaching the heresy from the pulpits. They can't get you to do anything. And so what are they going to do? They'll just change their tactics. So they're importing their revolution. They're doing the same thing in Europe. They can't get you Europeans to turn on your own system. And so they are importing their revolution. They're importing the, uh, as the, the Marxists call them, the lumpen proletariat from the third world. They're collapsing them, bringing them here through the NGOs and through the charities that they've set up as channels to bring them here. And so they will accept these types of promises and these types of goodies that they're going to give everybody. The welfare, the housing, the food, the schooling. They'll accept all of that. The control mechanisms. They will accept all of that because wherever they come from, they're being promised, not saying that they're ever going to have that promise delivered to them, but that's the point. The system itself promises you all kinds of goodies. It promises you utopia, but you never get it. It's always the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. Well, we've got to get rid of this group. We've got to target that group. We've got to demonize this group. And if you just do that, then you'll get this. But it never works out that way. It just goes on. They kill another group and another group and another group. So they're importing their revolution. They can't get it homegrown. So they'll import it. That's what's going on here. Yeah. And to your point about that, look at the uh, individuals that are on the street there. Of that, we've seen maybe like five or six women that I could uh, see. Um, and the rest were all men, mid-20s, maybe early 30s. Military age. Military age. Military fighting, age. Fighting age. And yep. I'm sorry, um, how, how is that? And I, I've heard, I'm not the only one sitting up here saying this. I'm hearing other commentators and, and talk show hosts saying the same thing. When you look at that aspect, these are not starving women and children we're talking about here. That would be one thing if that's what it was. That's not what this is. No. These are men of military age that are being brought in that are not with families. How is that not an invasion? How? Somebody please explain that to me. What do you think happens when all of these people start getting welfare 
And then you get some conservative or someone that's like, or someone that isn't insane. And they're like, no, this has to stop. These illegals have to go back to their country and they start rounding them up and sending them back. I imagine that age group might get it in their minds that we can resist. Uh, we outnumber them. And I mean, how many millions of people are here illegally right now? They could put up a pretty good fight if they decided to, to uh, resist being sent back to their own country. So that's something that at this point now it's a it's a real concern that I have. If we start, you know, for example, if Texas got it in their heads that they could finally start uh, rounding people up and sending them back over and protecting their border sovereignty, would any of these that are here illegally fight back? I think that would depend on whether or not uh, you're dealing with uh, hardened cartel members mixed up within that that are sent in as agents of influence, because that is a tactic that's being employed by not only the cartels, but the people behind the cartels. And that would be mainly Russia and China. Don't forget, one of the largest demographic outside of those of Latin descent that are being apprehended on the U.S. border, U.S. southern border, is Chinese citizens as well. And I don't uh, I don't put it past our government to not have someone from the FBI or CIA and they're agitating uh, trying to. I don't think they have to. Oh, man. I, some. I agree with you, but I don't think they have to in this case. I, I don't think they have to. I don't I don't think that that is necessary because I think mixed in with all that. I mean, if you put if you put somebody from the FBI or somebody from the, you know, the intelligence community in there to do what you're suggesting, which, I, again, I'm not disagreeing with you, they're not going to be as effective as some as say like a cartel member in there or uh, someone from um, you know a group of guys from China say for example they're not going to be as effective so why even bother I don't think they have to they probably don't but I still would not put it past our government to do something like that it would be cosmic for them to our own government apparatus fighting against us uh, keeping us from having border sovereignty and whatnot because you know obviously there is no private property we you know th th there is no such thing as sovereign borders anymore this is a you know land is for everyone right we're supposed to share it right sure well one person who's not sharing is the mayor of new york city eric adams he says you know what the city just we can't handle them we just can't handle. Them. hold on a second you're a sanctuary city right isn't that what it was under under Donald Trump? Oh, we're taking all of the uh, all of the migrants in all of the cities now that he's not there. Oh, you don't want to take him anymore, do you? No, you don't. So what are we doing if we're in New York City, if we're the mayor of New York City? We're going to load them all up on buses and we're going to ship them out to the county. That's what we're going to do. Do you remember what happened under um, uh, under this last deal where they they actually sent them? I, I think it was Abbott sent them on a bus to Martha's Vineyard. Because they love all of the, the individuals coming in from Central and South America and Martha's Vineyard, where they have mansions. The Obamas are prominent community members there. They have, a, I think it's like a $20 million mansion right there, uh, among many other former politicians and, and actors and things like that. And within 48 hours, they had buses loaded up and they were shipping them out of town with parades saying, we love you. Goodbye. You mean they're hypocrites? You mean they say Just a they... Little. Chicago has 8,000 illegal immigrants there, and they're saying their infrastructure is about to collapse. Okay. Under 8,000. Under 8,000. Chicago is a sanctuary city. These border uh, towns, not cities, towns, have thousands more illegals there, and Chicago's complaining about they're about to collapse. These towns don't have any federal aid. They don't get any kind of help from the feds and the state. There's a there's a Democrat mayor. I forget which city it is or town. I don't even know that it's a city. He's been complaining to Abbott because he's not getting any aid from Texas to try to secure the border and get the illegals out. They're crippled, more or less. They're like hotels are overrun. Homeless shelters are overrun with illegals, not American citizens, illegals. Yet we're supposed to continue taking them on. No, we, we should be using all the available resources we have at, at a state level and securing the border. And I, uh, that includes National Guard. I mean, you should be rounding up National Guard. You should be using them to either build barricades, patrol the border, what have you, and aiding and shipping out these illegals back to either where they come from or just send them back to Mexico. 
and have Mexico deal with it and then have Mexico uh, cry foul because, oh, there's so many illegals. Get your own border situated and quit allowing them across. Mexico's supposed to be dealing with it. That was part of the deal that we had with Trump was you're going to ensure border security, not us. We're going to take care of what we need to take care of on our end, but you're going to do what you should do to secure your southern border coming out of Central America. That's what you should be doing. And they did to a great extent. However, you mentioned Abbott. What the hell's going on with Abbott? I I hear people complaining about him. I hear right wing pundits complaining about him all the time. What is his deal? He goes out, he gives a press conference, he says, we're declaring a, a state of emergency, we're deploying the, the, quote, border force, border defense force, whatever, and then nothing ever happens. What's his deal? He's a typical GOP. He's the standard run of the mill that we've been dealing with for the last 20 years. He's a lot of talk, a lot of hat, no cattle, to use a Texas reference. He, he, he does things for show to get himself reelected, to get his base off his back to, you know, garnish some favor and then does nothing. Um, there's been a lot of issues that have risen up. I mean, even even this stuff with the, the transgender stuff, the drag queen story hour and all of that, that's, you know, literally people are committing felonies and the governor's not doing anything. Supposedly, he says that he has to wait for uh, the legal process or something. I don't know. He He's basically, his excuse is, is he's waiting for the legislators' approval to do things, basically. That's been his excuse. When in reality, just saying, declaring there is an invasion on our border, it's an invasion. When he declares that, he immediately has power to call the National Guard. Supposedly, he said he's going to or has already declared it an invasion, yet has done nothing to curb that, to try to stop it, or to to try to remove the ones that are already here illegally. I'm all for, honestly, just telling the federal government, go stuff it and we'll do it ourselves. We don't need you. That, that's kind of that's kind of the Texas mentality anyway, or used to be. We'll do it ourselves. And that's what I expect. This is the Texas National Guard that is arriving. Uh, now, I don't know if this is just for show, that this is just a, a photo op or, or whatever, uh, but they're arriving now to try and assist the Border Patrol in, in dealing with this uh, this issue. To your point, and we were discussing this in prep, to your point there about telling the federal government to go stuff it. If I were a state governor, you know, and I, I made my point clear on this, if I were a state governor, I would not be answering any calls from the federal government. I would be doing everything I could as a state governor using my National Guard, using it, it in Texas, right? If I'm if I'm down there, I'm employing everybody. I'm, I'm getting every cop in the state that's twiddling their thumbs. You're on the border. And guess what else I'm doing? I'm calling every county sheriff and I'm having them deputize every able-bodied man that they can to get down there to assist with it. And we're going to get it sorted out. And if the federal government decides that they're going to step in, I'm going to have them arrested and I'm going to have them expedited from my state post haste. And I will call a press conference and I will have cameras down there showing every last bit of it, calling these people at the federal level out for the traitors that they are for failing to do their job and failing at upholding their oath that they swear an allegiance to, to protect the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. They are doing none of that. So therefore, I see no need to bother myself with listening to anything that they have to say. In fact, I would create a filter for my email to make sure that every single one that arrives with a .gov goes straight into the trash. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear a word out of any of you. If the Border Patrol... Which, believe me, the Border Patrol, I I truly do believe that the Border Patrol want to do their job. Because every time you see a Border Patrolman that actually does their job, they get suspended, they get uh, put in jail, they get charged. So I genuinely... Yeah, they get featured on this. I I genuinely believe, and we actually have border patrolmen that have actually done their jobs and they're in jail because of it. I do believe that we have a border patrol that wants to do it, right? They they want to do their job, but they are threatened by whoever is in D.C. in that entrenched bureaucracy. And they're told, I was actually told uh, the other day that the head of the border patrol actually tried to speak up at a meeting with the Biden administration, and he was told to keep his mouth shut or he would lose all of his funding, then take all my funding. Get somebody else. 
I'm not going to just walk away just because you're threatening to take my funding away. Your job is ceremonial at that point anyway. So why would yeah. you even stay there if it's yeah, like I, this? I have, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Put up more of a fight. I, it, the, the, the head of the Border Patrol needs to put up more of a fight as well. OK, so the administration will replace you. First of all, you're a federal agent. Um, supposedly, they're supposed to have immunity because that's why Trump didn't fire them. Uh, they, they, they had the, the union that makes them basically unfireable or whatever the hell it is. If that doesn't protect you, start filing lawsuits. Lawfare. Just start going after the politicians, the, the federal government, and start uh, binding them up in legal issues and force their hand. Require them to, to maybe this is an option. Maybe these red state, the, the red states that are border states, right? Um, so basically, Texas. Maybe you should put out a call and be like, hey, if you're a border patrol and you're stopped from doing your job, we're creating a state uh, organized uh, border patrol. We'll hire you here and uh, you'll be allowed to do your job. One of the things I, I've seen a problem with, with that um, National Guard that's sent in, is um, they're woefully unequipped. They're They're... Lacking a lot of hardware, should I say? They'll be given and, um, pepper ball guns, and and that'll be the, about the the gist of it, if I had to guess. Yeah, like I said, woefully inadequately equipped. Some of the people that they're going against are cartel members that are more well equipped than they. This is another thought that I had, you know, in in prep, and I I don't see another way. It is, and you kind of alluded to it there, where you were saying that um, you know you're going to create something else, and, and we're going to allow you to actually do your job at the state level. If we don't have a federal government that is willing to protect the border, as in the country as a whole, because that's where your security lies at that border. If we have a federal government that refuses to protect our border, well, then why do we have a border patrol? What are they for? I would disconnect the border patrol from the federal government at this point. At this point, I would, because they're not doing their job. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that the border patrol don't want to do their job. I believe that they do want to do their job, but they are hindered by the people in the bureaucracy in D.C., by the people that don't want a secure border. But they'll go on TV all day like Mayorkas and say, well, the border's closed. Uh, no, it's not. It's wide open. I would disconnect the border patrol from the federal government at this point. I would I would reallocate it under the states, as you're suggesting. That's what I would do. The other thing that I see should be happening is um, there should be some criminal charges pressed against um, anyone that has any hand in uh, securing the border, all the way up to the president. Because if you're failing to even try to secure the border, which they're not even trying, that's a breach of your oath. That is a violation of the Constitution, and that is treason. The argument for treason is you're actively importing enemies to the country and just letting them loose, enter the country. In fact, I like it in the sense of uh, giving them a taste of their own medicine, the uh, uh, bussing in people uh, to other uh, cities and making them feel the pain. I like that, but at the same time, I don't. Because here's the problem. You're putting illegals further into the country, risking more people's lives, potentially, in other locations in the country, at the, at the heart of our country, and they're not being accounted for. Uh, nobody's tracking them. Nobody's, uh, you know, nobody's removing them. You should be bussing them across the border, not further into the country. And honestly, I get the reasoning that they're doing it. I get, and this would also uh, get DeSantis uh, tied up in some legal issues as well, but I think they should be looked at as well, those individuals that are busing them in further into the country. What's your motive? I would want that investigated because there could be genuinely good motives. Maybe maybe Abbott and DeSantis both have good motives in busing them in further and trying to affect change as a protest. Maybe that's true. Maybe someone else is involved and they're just facil facilitating moving more illegals into the country. I don't know, but we should find out. And I would remind any federal official that is listening to us, and I know some do, I would remind you of your oath of office. I would remind you of your responsibility for being in that position that you're in. Believe me, I've worked side by side with some of you. I would remind you that when you see treason, 
and I mean outright treason, when you see it happening, when your superiors are openly engaged in it, as an American federal employee at that level with security clearances, if you don't say anything about it, that is a felony in the United States of America, and you are held responsible. Just a friendly reminder. Moving right along. Bruce, have you had a nice cold Bud Light today? Huh. No, not only do I not drink alcohol, but I would not be caught dead with a Bud Light in hand, so... Many others would not either. It was actually, I was reading something. I, I don't drink either. Of course, that's not even available where I am. Why would you want Bud Light in, in the middle of Germany? That's just, that's crazy. I mean, there's, there's so many, so many others. Why, why would you want that? Uh, but I, I was actually, I was reading something from uh, a country music singer. He was doing a, a concert or something over the weekend and he put free beer out there for his audience. He put giant coolers out there with ice, with all different kinds of beer in it. All the other beer, all the other brands of beer were gone. After four hours, not one single Bud Light was touched. Not one was taken away. This is the way. This is, this is how it should be. They should feel the pain. I'm not usually for boycotts. I'm not usually for those kind of things. But when companies come in and say they're actively pushing Marxist ideas and ideologies... I'm sorry. Marxism is an enemy to the United States. And frankly, if you're a Marxist, you're also an enemy to the United States. You're actively fighting against our foundational principles that made this country this country. I would argue you're an active enemy against any form of a democratic rule. I'll go a step further. Obviously, the United States is the biggest target here, because if you can take that down, that's the linchpin that's holding all this together, by the way. If you can take that down, you can take everything else down. Keep that in mind, all of you European listeners and Australian listeners, and we love and thank all of you for listening. Costco. Bruce, you have Costco down there? Yeah. We do. Yeah. You do? It's in the larger well, cities. Yeah. If you frequent a Costco, you can get some Bud Light in there on the cheap. They're giving away They're Basically, they're almost giving it away. Uh, they're giving away. They've got pallets of it in there that are just stacked up almost to the ceiling of 36 packs as in like 36 in a single pack, and they're selling it for $14.97. That's about 40-something cents a can, by the way. That's dirt cheap. That's bargain basement prices. Like that's, that's not even a price that you could get before all this inflation got out of control. That's crazy dirt cheap prices. Yeah, just thinking about it, there's, there's nothing else I could think of to use that alcohol for other than just letting it rot on the shelf. You know, I, I can't even come up with a good, you know, like if you're trying to be, uh, you know, on the cheap and, and, and just snatch it up and use it for something else. Target practice. Yeah. I don't know. I, even, even target practice. I, you know, I would just rather use hell. I'd use a paper plate before I'd use a Bud Light because well, then I, I'm still giving money to. Well, uh, yes and no, but I'm, I'm thinking. Of, yeah. But Bruce, I'm thinking about return on investment here. Okay, so you have to give me you have to give me the benefit of the doubt on this one. I'm thinking about return on investment because if you use them as target practice, well, obviously you're not going to consume the liquid that's contained within the the aluminum can. What you're going to do is you're going to take them to the recycler and they're going to give you whatever it is for the cost of the aluminum per pound to to get it back. So I mean, I'm looking at it from a, a sense of you're actually you're saving money here. You might actually be onto something here. That that might be Depending on how much of the can remains and how much, you know, aluminum you get I out of it, you know, it. how much weight. Uh, yeah, just scrap it. And uh, hmm, how much how much does aluminum go for by the pound? Per pound? I don't know what it is now. Hmm, let's see. Aluminum. Scrap aluminum goes for. Uh, national average is 46 cents a pound. There you go. Well, if it's 46 cents a can, you're losing money on the ammunition. And uh, the weight of the can is mostly liquid yeah, when the liquid's you're still, gone. You're still getting more back than what you would get on paper plates because paper plates are expensive. True. So Paper plates are expensive. Yeah, yeah. they're expensive. Uh, Anheuser-Busch uh, has had to downgrade their stock. Something about some losses, heavy losses or something. I, I don't know. They were downgraded today by HSBC, who said that the firm is now dealing with a Bud Light crisis after the company produced the can of Dylan Mavalny. They said that the, um, the downgraded company stock was put on hold, saying that there are deeper problems than 
Anheuser-Busch InBev uh, admits. Now, Bruce, Honestly, I know what you're thinking. I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking here. You're, you're thinking this is all the fault of that that woman that they employed as the marketing strategist, right? You, that's what you're thinking. You, you're thinking that they alienated all of their customer base, their, their, the bulk of their customer base, right? So you, that's what you're thinking, right? Uh, partially. I'm actually thinking it's the entire company's fault for hiring this individual under the pretense that they hired her for is at fault. Okay. All right. Well, I, again, I could see why you would think that, but you would be wrong. And the reason I'd say that you're wrong is because the CEO of Anheuser-Busch has made a statement and he's cleared all this up. He's, he's made, mm. made sure that we all understand what the problem actually is. Uh, he says that um, misinformation on social media is what's caused the, um, uh, the stoking of a nationwide boycott following mm. the move that they made to promote you know, the, the thing with, with Mavala. Uh. This was a statement that was given to the Financial Times by the chief executive, Michael uh, Dukaris. He says, people often talk about this topic in social media like noise. You have one fact and every person puts an opinion behind the fact. And then the opinions start to be replicated fast on each and every comment. By the time that 10 or 20 people put a comment out there, the reality is no longer what the fact is, but is more about what the comments were. So you see, you see what the problem is here. It's it's everybody else that are the problem. That's what caused this problem. That's that's what is is stoking this this devaluation of the company. Nice try. The problem is you have a dude, a gay dude, claiming he's a, a woman. He's an actor. He's not even trans. That was your problem. Is you had him as an advertising whatever point whatever no it wasn't i honestly to be fair i know very little of what social media or anybody else thinks on this matter other than the facts that the data shows that people are stopping uh their purchases of bud light they're they're not purchasing it uh or even drinking it for free other than that as far as what social media has to say on it i really don't know and really don't care because my own opinion is you deserve every single loss that you get Anheuser for uh, advertising to you don't know your audience for advertising the way you did to really middle America. That's that's really who drinks a lot of Bud Light. You're, you're, you're kind of normal individual. Yeah, it's just a complete lack of awareness. The CEO there, he needs to admit fault and say, yeah, you know what? We, we hired this individual to do it exactly this. And uh, if they would admit fault and say, you know what? We were wrong. We we did not understand our audience and made some kind of plea and backpedaled and took the flack from the left and did not back down from their apology. Maybe some people might hear him out and they might have a boost in their stocks. That's very possible. If they did some other inroads to show that, you know what? You're right. Um, and they stopped going woke on a bunch of other stuff like their business policies or, you know, the internal memos and those kind of things and made it publicly like they did a lot of effort to uh, uh, change their ways. People probably would start buying again. Probably. But do you see them actually do that? No, no, they would. They would rather stick to the fact that they tried to just virtue signal and then it all went wrong. Remember, they can't admit fault. It's just it's everything. It's like everything else. You can't admit fault with this because then you would be condemning the agenda. So we can't admit fault. It's not possible. They're so locked Which, into it. To your point about that, they, they just doubled down. The CEO just doubled down and said, it's not actually because you people are basically transphobes. It's because, well, you, you people are transphobes. Like you people are not just you, transphobes, but you're stupid. Because you, you're not even capable of forming your own opinions. You're you're basing your opinion off of someone else's opinion. That's basically what he said. He said, you're the problem. And your customer base, jackass, moron. I'll take a, a <laughs> I'll take a Joe Scarborough approach here. Your customer base, moron, is what Bruce just said. It's middle America. It's the good old boys. It's us. It's the farmer. It's the work hand. It's the mechanic. It's just the good old country boy that's sitting around with his buddies around a campfire having a barbecue. That is your customer base, not some woke college idiot, not some of these yahoos in the city that don't understand how things work outside of the cities. Your customer base is what keeps you in business. You want to keep up this garbage, you go right ahead. And I hope that you continue to double down on your stupidity because this will see your sorry ass company into the poorhouse. And that's where you belong. Yeah. The 
ones that tend to be more woke, the ones that tend to think they can change the country's uh, foundations. Most of the ones that we see are either completely broken and not compatible with society, or they're well off themselves. Do you really think anybody that's well off is going to, frankly, drink piss water? Or are they going to drink something more palpable? Because they have money. So, uh, again, they're failing to understand who their base is here. And, and it, it's not nothing against the average American. I get it. Like, times are tough. Times are hard. You get what you can afford. You, you want to just have a beer and have a good time? You get good enough to get the job done, but not enough to break the bank. You know what I mean? So, I get it. I don't drink, so um, I, I mean, I don't drink anymore, but uh, I can tell you this, uh, if I did, and I will recommend to every single person I do know that does drink to never buy another one of their products ever again, ever again. I don't care what the product is. I don't care if it says Bud Light. If it has any affiliation with Anheuser-Busch InBev, drop dead. Agreed. The, uh, real quick, this is actually a company that we can boycott. Uh, and, and the reason I say we can, uh, for example, the, the kind of BS that Coca-Cola was doing to us and the kind of policies and everything that they do, go and try to get any kind of soft drink or even bottled water that isn't done by either Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Those are like the two monopolies when it comes to soft drinks or drinks in general. So that, that one is actually a difficult one. Pepsi is the lesser of the evils there, but it's very difficult to boycott a Coca-Cola. However, Anheuser-Busch, far easier. Their products are, I mean, there's others on the market that are equally as bad as that one. Excuse me. It equally as good as that one. And not <laughs> Again, everybody. I don't drink. I yeah, don't, not everybody interest. drinks. You know, you know there, there's that yeah. too. So those of exactly. us that don't drink, we act as sounding boards against that, against those who do. So it's, it's also that you have that multiple, you have that force multiplier. Yeah. And, uh, which I, I say that, and I think I'm actually, am I drinking a Coke product right now? I forget who makes Aquafina. It's Pepsi. Coca-Cola makes Dasani, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. Dasani's the one that has salt in their water. I don't recommend drinking Dasani. That's that's one of the worst when it comes to bottled water. Sorry, this a bit of side note. If you get bottled water, get reverse osmosis only. Um, do not get any of the spring fresh or whatever. Uh, you might be able to do it uh, depending on, like, for example, if you're in another country, they have different standards. You have to look at your own country's standards. But here in the United States, if it's spring water, um, it's tap water. Quite literally, it is tap water. There is no regulation for it. But if it's reverse osmosis, that is one of the best, if not the best, filtration system that we, that humans know of today. This, uh, and again, I'm, you know, I'm not located in the United States at the moment. This is uh, this brand that I'm drinking here. Uh, I will not say the brand, obviously, because of trademarks. But this is a very prominent brand here where I am. It's a little bit more expensive, uh, and it comes in three-quarter liter glass bottles. So you don't have to worry about the leaching plastics and, and all the rest of it. But this is remineralized after they, they filter it through their process. And they remineralize it with the following things, which they don't do this, nearest I can tell, in a lot of uh, American bottled waters. They remineralize this with calcium, magnesium, nitrium, chloride, sulfate, and hydrogen carbonates. So they put all of the essential minerals back in to this beverage. And they do this with just about every version of bottled water that they have here. But again, you know, I'm not located in the US and where I am, they have typically they have some of the highest standard quality control standards in the world. So, you know, they're, they're very good about that stuff. So they don't they don't typically sell you products that make you ill and and debilitate you over time health wise. So it's a it's a little bit different ball game. But uh, yes, and I, I do pay attention uh, and a lot of people here pay attention. That's one of the, the differences here is is people do watch what they eat most of the time. Not going to say that about everybody, of course, because you, you just have those people. But people read the labels here. People care about what they're actually putting into themselves. And everybody should. I'm not saying that this is something outside of, you know, just outside of the United States. But in America, especially, we should be caring about what we put in our bodies. But they're doing everything through the legislative process, you know, with the food, the big food companies and everything to try and remove all the labels from everything. Why would you want to do that unless you have some really bad intentions? I can't think of any other reason behind that other than nefarious ones. Maybe maybe uh, someone like a Bill Gates might be pushing to put vaccines in food. Oh, no. And they don't Never want to know that. what the side effects uh, are or any of those kind of things or what Never the ingredients are. Never, Never would have guessed be anything like Never that. Never would have yeah. guessed it. Mm. 
Bruce, we're going to spend the last few minutes here talking very lightly on this subject because I find it fascinating. This has nothing to do with the two subjects that we've previously discussed. But this one is something that's always fascinated me and I, I would love to discuss it. And we're going to start putting a podcast together. We're going to try and do it about once a month. And we're going to try and get as many people on as we can for it so everybody can weigh in on it. And it's going to be a conspiracy corner. Okay, so basically what that is, we're we're not conspiracy theorists here, but we do love a good conspiracy theory story. So why not discuss them? Right. Because I, I just I find them fascinating. Some of the things that are out there, like the most prominent ones are like the JFK assassination. You know, I'd like to discuss that. The um um. Uh, the what's it called? The the hollow earth theory, the flat earth theory and, and all of that. I, I would like to we were discussing a little bit of that last night. It was kind of, it was yeah. really a lot of fun. And so I would like to discuss some of these things just because. So we're, we're looking at doing a, a conspiracy corner once a month just for the fun of it. We really only deal in I only deal in things that I can prove. And the best conspiracies, uh, as you said before, Bruce, are the ones that have elements of truth mixed into them. This one, this is one that I would like to discuss, and I would like to discuss this on probably our first one. And that is, and and like I said, we're just very lightly going to touch on it because of, of time constraints here. The moon landing. Did we actually go to the moon? There is an ex-Russian space boss that has come out and publicly said that there is no proof that Americans landed on the moon in 1969. So I'm going to quote here from this official. He says, about 10 years ago, when I worked in the government, I sent an official request to Roscosmos to provide me with documentary evidence of the American stay on the moon which at that time was still at the disposal of the federal agency. I was painfully embarrassed by the fact that the Soviet cosmonauts returning from multi-day expeditions could barely stand on their feet and underwent a long recovery, such as flights, and the Americans crawled out of their lunar ships like cucumbers from the garden. In 2018, when I went to work at the state corporation Roscosmos, I continued to search for this evidence, but I didn't find anything there, except for the angry accusations of some of our fans of going to America at the expense of others, academics that I, they say, undermine the sacred cooperation with NASA. I also received one angry call from a high-ranking official accusing me of aggravating the international situation with my doubts. Yes, I did not undermine or aggravate anything, but only by virtue of my nature I tried to get to the bottom of the details and establish, at least for myself, the true state of affairs in the issue of exploration of the moon by our competitors. It was not clear to me how the United States, at that level of technological development of the 60s, of the last century, did what they still cannot do today. So, have we been to the moon? I will leave it as a cliffhanger, and I won't give the information that I know, but to uh, clarify those things. But I will add this bit. For you to prove that we have been on the moon, uh, on, on Earth, right? So, from Earth to prove we've been to the moon. You have to build a telescope that has an apparatus of over 200 meters. So the mirror has to be over 200 meters wide to uh, be able to detect as a pixel the lander and the rover. So that's that. So basically here on Earth, we can't prove that we've been to the moon because it's just because of the distance, because of the atmosphere, because of everything involved, all the you, you can't build an apparatus big enough. To prove that we've been there. You, I mean, we could, but the amount of money it would take to build one of those and resources, nobody's going to do it. To be fair, just for me, to be clear, I believe we actually have been to the moon. OK, I, I'm, I'm not one of these uh, deniers. OK, so I, I do truly believe. And until I see some some concrete evidence at least, you know, maybe we could, it's something we can discuss uh, later on when we do the uh, the talk about it. But until I see something that actually convinces me otherwise, and I mean, it has to be very convincing. I believe that we've actually been there and I will maintain that. Now, I did see a documentary on television here. It was on German television and I saw it once and I've not seen it again. And they actually reconstructed everything. They reenacted the moon landing on a movie set. Everything was done on a, on a movie set. They actually brought in all of the original cameras and everything. They got the same models. They got uh, all of the, you know, like the flag that they planted and the suits and everything else. They tried to reenact the moon landing. They got the the actual lunar blanket and everything else. They, they got it, you know, as in like the, you know, the ejective blanket on the, uh, the ground, you know, the dust. They got all of that 
They got the boots uh, and everything else from the European Space Agency, which is a NASA partner. And I've actually been there, by the way. It's quite a it's quite a fascinating facility. Uh, and I actually the um, uh, the satellite or the, excuse me the probe or whatever it was that they just landed on that that meteor that that was just passing through or the comet that was just passing through. I actually watched the I was watching them construct that. I was watching them build it. It was fascinating. Uh, but anyway. They were able to recreate the actual moon landing that they did in 69. They were able to recreate it using all of the technology that they had available at the time. They were able to, to recreate all the shots, you know, the, the photos and everything else. They were able to recreate all this, the, the footprints and everything else, everything that we were shown at the time. They were able to recreate this flag and all the rest of it. What they concluded at the end was... They didn't say that it didn't happen, but they did say that they were able to prove that it didn't happen the way that we were all told. So make of that what you will. Yeah, that is definitely uh, it's definitely going to be fun to research this one just because I know of a um, I've, I've watched a few documentaries and whatnot and, and, and done the research myself on trying to prove or disprove whether we've been to the moon. It's been a while. I mean, I, I, I did this many years ago. Uh, but I remember just off the cuff, I remember bits and pieces of, of some of the stuff that I, I found more or less, basically, I, I remember, I don't remember the details of what I concluded, but I remember that I did conclude that now we've been to the moon. Yeah, we've been to the moon, but you know, again, it, it requires going through the data and information again. The one caveat with this, I, I, I feel like, uh, because of the revelations we have the how many higher ups that we had in government about uh back in the 60s that were corrupted that were turned uh or planted i feel like if we didn't actually land on the moon that that information would have been like exposed to to embarrass us i i, I feel like someone that uh i don't know like the the cia director that was uh corrupted back in the 60s i feel like he would have exposed this or you know like a Kissinger or, you know, someone like that would have would have said, you know, presented the evidence that, no, this was all fake just to humiliate us, humiliate us on the world stage, because this was this was a big deal when we went to the moon. This was a worldwide event. This wasn't just America did this. The entire world was watching as this happened. Yeah, America did that. But it was it was an, a global event. It was a big deal. Uh, still is a big deal. And I still think we should be there and we should have colonies there. Um, so it, it, I'm, I'm stuck in a there would have been someone that would have said just to humiliate us. No, we didn't actually go there and, and present the documents. But at the same time, I'm stuck with a I don't trust our government and everything the government says. So the government says we've been there, but I'm also stuck in a kind of a this limbo of. But then there would have been people that would have said, no, we didn't actually go just to humiliate us or to tell the truth, either one. And that hasn't happened. So it just just on that basis alone, I'm like, we've been to the moon. Yeah, I like I said, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I, I do believe that we've been there because, I mean, how many people were involved in this and everybody had to be bought off or silenced or, or whatever. And all the astronauts. You know, Neil Armstrong himself, he went to teach at the University of Cincinnati after that. And all of a sudden, he never walked on the moon or he just kept his mouth shut about it. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure Armstrong has knocked somebody's teeth out for... That was Aldrin. Um, oh, it was Aldrin. That was yeah. Buzz Aldrin. You're right. You're right. Now, yeah. For saying we didn't go to the moon. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have that much conviction that we actually went to the moon... Change my mind. That's that's what I'm going to say. Like I said, I, I believe we've actually been there. I think the whole thing is just, you know, it's a disinformation campaign to demoralize us. As you said, that's that's all. And now would be the perfect time to, to start ramping that back up. Well, we're going to go ahead and go. Uh, barring anything else, Bruce, do you have anything else? Uh, actually, I do. Um, I, there was an article I was looking at today because I enjoy looking at some of the science stuff. And uh, just off the top of my head, I'll kind of um, say some of the stuff because I don't have the article in front of me. I didn't think we would hit anything science today. Oh, actually, I do have it up. There's an object that we have found that is 10 million times brighter than the sun. Now, the reason this is a big deal, now this is like 12 million light years away or something like that. It's, it, it's quite a ways away. But the reason this is so important and such a big deal is there's the Eddington limit. Okay, so the Eddington limit is basically if you had, say, a black hole 
or a star or something, a neutron star, is pulling in material from either another star, a nebula, whatever. Just it's pulling in material. As it pulls the material in, the gravitational pull is causing the material to uh, heat up because of friction and everything, right? And it, the, the gravitational force is pulling it apart, basically. And this is causing heat uh, and light. Well, the Eddington limit is uh, eventually the material will reach a point of it's generating so much energy. It's releasing so much light and energy heat that it, it counteracts gravitational force. So as it pulls it in, uh, when there's so much material that comes in, it reaches this catalyst point that the material is is basically propelling itself outside of the gravitational pull uh, because of the amount of energy it's producing from from friction. Right. OK. The reason this is such a big deal is this uh, object is long past. It is way past the Eddington limit that we know. In other words, it's pulling in so much material that this thing is, like I said, 10 million times lighter than the or brighter than the sun. That should not be possible because of this limit. That this object is defying it completely defies what we 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 know uh, as far as physics. So all that to say, this is a fun one that is challenging. Uh, it is good to find these little uh, edge cases like this in our universe because it challenges the theories that we have formulated and out of this we may learn something new be able to you know um, learn how to for example manipulate uh, material to do things that we didn't think possible uh, we could find n new solutions to materials and those kind of things but anyway uh, the official uh, I don't know the official theory at this point or possible theory is the star or whatever it is, is pulling in 9 billion trillion tons of material per year. Uh, that's basically one and a half times our Earth, right? And NASA is saying what's happening is it's possible that it's a neutron star and the, ma the magnetic fields are so strong that it's warping the, uh, the atoms structure and it's, it's causing the energy that's being released to be released a specific direction and it's either making it look brighter than it really is or it's causing the atoms to not produce enough energy to propel it outside of the gravitational field so it, it it's basically uh directing the energy and and keeping it from being able to pull free and that's how it's breaking the eddington limit we don't actually know because it's 12 million light years away anyway fun story fun one uh i believe it's a supermassive black hole that's causing it or a uh it, it's a pulsar is, is what it is it's pulsing uh x-rays but um pulsars could easily be neutron stars or it could be a, a, a um black hole we don't we don't actually know for sure which which it is but anyway it, just a fun little, little yeah that is there. that is uh, that is quite fascinating i have to say um and it sounds a little terrifying at the same time you wouldn't want to get anywhere near that no it makes us feel small or small. it does me anyway oh yeah yeah we are going to go ahead and call this one done bruce i would like to thank you for being here today thank you to all of the listeners god bless everyone and have a great evening Thank you.